The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Have you ever found something that's so amazing that you're willing to give up a great deal to get it, and it didn't feel like a chore? It felt like joy. Uh, I'm a huge Oilers fan. That's right, huge Oilers fan. And uh, yeah, some of you were wondering. This past fall, my wife and I had a chance to take our entire family to an Oilers game. And uh, it happened to cost quite a bit of money. Um, and if some of you know me, I'm more of a saver than a spender. And so, you know, it could have been this big deal. But as I compared the value of, you know, the amount of money it costs compared to the opportunity to take our kids and build these memories and experiences together as a family, it was just a no-brainer. Now, for some of you that aren't sports fans and even less Oilers fans, um, you're probably thinking right now, that's really crazy and I think we need to, you know, pray for our pastor because I didn't realize, you know, he struggled so much with, you know, wrong living and uh, he needs, you know. So for all of you that aren't, you know, sports fans or Oilers fans, um, my wife and I also happen to be massive Need to Breathe fans. We love the band Need to Breathe. And so when it came out a few months ago that they were coming to uh, Calgary in April, we didn't even look at the price. We just bought tickets. And they happened to cost a lot of money, but there was this thing that was so valuable that we were like, we're willing to pay that amount to do this thing because it wasn't comparable. The value between the two was not comparable. Again, some of you, maybe you're not music fans or you're not Need to Breathe fans. You're more into Bieber. Um, you're like, oh man, I can't believe my pastor, you know, and such a frivolous guy spending money on, you know, things like this. But here, let me tell you this. This is the kingdom of heaven. Oilers and need to breathe, okay? <laughs> this is the kingdom of heaven. No, this is the kingdom of heaven. When we find something so valuable that it's incomparable to even everything we own, what would you be willing to give up everything you own for? And maybe you think, I don't know if I could give up everything I own for, for anything. I don't know if I could surrender all of myself and all of what I own for anything. But I would dare to disagree. Imagine if you calculated all your assets, you know, your cars and your house and the things that you own, and it came to, you know, $700,000. That's what you kind of own. And someone came to you and said, if you give up all you own, I'll give you some real estate that's worth 10 times that, $7 million. Would it seem like a chore to give up all you own? I mean, that piddly house and that old car to get something worth so much more? This is the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again and then begrudgingly, ah, oh, fine, I'll give it up. No, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field because he found something that was incomparably more valuable than all he already owned. This is the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's interesting. Often we have a hard time 
as we think about the kingdom of God and, and we step into the kingdom and we're in this series on the Sermon on the Mount talking about the kingdom and it's like, man, it's gonna cost me something and Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me and surrender all you have and, and give up your plans and your direction and it's like, I don't know if I can step, I don't know if I can live in the kingdom because it costs me so much. But I would dare say that we have our eyes set on the wrong thing. We're thinking about what we're losing rather than what we're gaining, which is incomparably more valuable. It's kind of like marriage. I'm going to wreck marriage for some of you. Some of you are thinking about getting married. Um, But have you ever thought about this as it relates to uh, every yes in your life is actually a no to something else? doesn't matter if it's a pathway in life, a direction you're going, a career. Every yes in your life is actually also a no. In fact, I would dare say every yes is a thousand no's. And this is true of marriage as well. But we don't think about it this way, right? Most people on their wedding day, it's like, do you take this you know, uh, wife for yours and you're giving your marriage vows? Few people think, oh man, by saying yes to her, I've just said no to hundreds of thousands of millions of other potentials, <laughs> right? I mean... No one thinks that way, right? Because you're not thinking about what you're saying no to because of the value of what you just found, the treasure of what you just found. And when you say yes to your husband or your wife, you're not thinking about what you're saying no to. This is the kingdom of heaven. But we can often look at and and put our eyes on the things that we are losing rather than what we gain as it relates to the kingdom. Well, Jesus is gonna talk about the kingdom. And what we're gonna see is that Living in the kingdom is living in a new direction with new and different values, which means this. Living in the kingdom of God is a lot of no's to a lot of other things. Yes to the kingdom is saying I'm going in a new direction, which is no to all the others. And it's new values, which is no to the other things. Here's how Jesus said it. And if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 19. Jesus talks about this idea in three different ways by contrasting two things in three different categories. The three categories are, first he's going to talk about treasure, then he's going to talk about our vision, and then he's going to talk about our allegiance, okay? And he starts with treasure, and here's what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. What Jesus is saying, he's contrasting two things, right? You, can, you have treasures on earth and you have treasures in heaven, but it all has to do with treasure. Now we have an option, but what is not optional is that you are storing up treasure. That's not an option. We all store up treasure, but what becomes optional is where are we storing up our treasure? On earth or in heaven. And what is the difference between the two? The difference between the two really have to do with security and durability. Security and durability, right? As it relates to security, Jesus says, if you store up your treasure on earth, it's liable to be stolen by thieves. It's not all that secure. I bet some of you have experienced that, right? You were eight years old and your sister found the chocolate bar you were storing in your dresser drawer and she stole it and you're like, nothing is secure. Maybe that didn't happen to you. I'm still working through that. Um, you know, nothing is secure. Or as it relates to durability, 
He says, well, we all know about moths, what they do, right? Just eat stuff away. And then he uses this word vermin, which, what is that? <laughs> well, vermin is this picture of, uh, of kind of like pests or animals that destroy crops and they just kind of, they bring disease. They just kind of eat things away. It literally means eating or consuming. So when Jesus says moths and this eating and consuming thing happens, things just deteriorate. In your version of the Bible, maybe you have the word rust, right? Because we, we, rust does this. It just kind of consumes. It just deteriorates. I had a firsthand experience with rust a few years ago. Uh, well, more than that, but especially a few years ago. We bought a new vehicle, which was an old vehicle. It was new to us. And uh, it was a really nice vehicle, but we saw there was some rust uh, on it. And I'm like pretty particular guy. So I'm like, I'm going to take care of this rust issue and I'm going to win the war against rust. And so I did what I always do when I have a problem. I just Googled like what to do with rust and found out, okay, if I go to the hardware store, I get this anti-rusting uh, spreading solution. And I went back to my vehicle and I grinded out the rust right to bare metal. And just to be extra sure, I put this anti rust spreading solution on the metal and then primed it and painted it. It was like almost as good as new. And guess what happened? Within 12 months, rust stains. And I'm like, oh no, you're not. And I grinded it back down to the metal and I got my anti-rust, you know, spreading solution and I primed and painted it and it was like as good as new. And within 12 months again. And finally, I just said, you win. And our vehicle's rusting away, okay? Because you cannot stop it. It just eats and consumes. And contrary to your favorite truck commercial, it was not built to last. I'm sorry you had to hear that. <laughs> Some of you are just, oh, devastated. It was not built to last. Nothing lasts. When you build treasure on this earth, it will not last. And here's the deal, even if you found something that didn't deteriorate in this world, isn't the reality true? You don't last, I don't last. I mean, we all have a best before date and an end date. Like, we don't last. In fact, Jesus kind of told a story about this uh, in Luke chapter 12, and he talks about this rich man who had all, he had a bumper, bumper year, bumper crop, and had all this grain, and he didn't have enough barn space to store it all. And, and so the guy said, you know, I'm going to build myself bigger barns. And he tore down the old and built these new bigger barns. And he put it, all the grain in there, and, and, and then the scripture says, and he said to himself, self, I love that. You talk to yourself, you're like, self, self, you have a lot stored up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry. And that night, God came to him and said, you fool, tonight your life will be taken from you, and who will get all you have? And then Jesus says this, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves rather than is rich toward God. Whoever stores up things for themselves that just don't last. It's part of this kingdom world rather than the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says, don't store up treasure. We're all storing up treasure. We don't decide whether we are storing up treasure. That is not a choice we're given. We all store up treasure. The choice we are given is where we are placing and building our treasure. And Jesus says, don't store it up in where you're going to lose it. 
But Jesus doesn't just speak to this in regards to loss. There's, some other, there's another reason why he speaks about this. And it's in what he says next. Don't store up treasure on earth. Rather, second choice, store it up in heaven. Here's why. Four, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In essence, your treasure and your heart always end up to be in the exact same place. Your treasure and your heart, where your treasure is, where your heart is, where your heart is, is where your treasure will be. They always end up being in the very same place. And here's the thing about Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed this, uh, but earlier in the sermon, he talks about morality and he talks about, you know, uh, uh, adultery, uh, lust is the same as adultery and anger is, equates with, with murder. And what we learned in that is that God doesn't just want, when it comes to morality, God doesn't just want us to like change on the exterior. It's like, I'm doing some better things. He actually wants our heart. He wants us changed from the inside out. Well, as it relates to what we value, Jesus also says, God wants your heart. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. And so Jesus says, don't store up your your treasure on earth because your heart's going to be there. Put your treasure in God in his kingdom because God wants your heart. So what we see is living And the kingdom is living in this new direction with new and different values. Suddenly, what we treasure, well, it changes. So as it relates to treasure, this first area that Jesus talks about, as it relates to doing life in the kingdom, here's a couple questions I have for you. Where's your heart? And where is your treasure? And maybe you're like, I don't know, how do you even decide? How do I decide where my treasure, where my heart is? Here's three revealing questions that I think we can wrestle with that help us figure out where our heart and where our treasure is. And they're this. Where do you spend most your time? Where do you spend most your money? And where do you spend most of your energy and thought? And I'm talking outside of kind of the, the leisure time. The, the, you know, we all have times like, well, I got to work a job and I got to, you know, I've got kids and I've got these things. I got to spend money on my mortgage. I spend money there. I have my thought life and in my work. I mean, this is kind of just like earthly stuff. I'm talking the stuff that you have some control over. We all have to work our jobs and we all have to, but as it relates to your extra money, after you've taken care of the basic needs of your family, where is that money all going? And where's your time most spent? And where's your energy? And I would dare say where you're spending your time, energy, and money probably is revealing as to what you treasure most. And are you building some things that aren't going to last forever? Aren't going to last beyond this world? Or are you building treasure in heaven? Treasure in heaven. You know, one of the things I, I think we've got to bring some clarity to is as it relates to money, because sometimes we as followers of Jesus, and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you haven't messed this up yet, but we followers of Jesus mess this up all the time. We sometimes have a, a misunderstanding of, of money and possessions, and we think, man, it's like wrong to have any of it. And so we have to like, if I have any money or if I'm wealthy, then I'm just a bad Christian and we see wealthy people and they're Christians. We're like, yeah, you're a bad Christian because you can't be wealthy and have stuff and you can't plan and have, you know, be a good Christian. That's not what Jesus is saying. 
okay? In fact, uh, here's a few things to, to consider. It's actually wise and godly to think, plan, and work for the future. Proverbs 21.5 speaks about that. It is wise and godly to think about and plan for the future. It's also wise to have money and provisions set aside for your future. So if you have some extra, you're not a bad person, okay? And if you have some RSPs or you got a retirement, that's not a bad thing. And get this, it is actually good to enjoy the things we've been given, now, this is very difficult for some Christians because they're like, man, if I got a nice car, like, I should probably give it away. I can't enjoy it. If I have some nice things, it's like, it'd be wrong to enjoy this. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're like, Christians are weird and they struggle with weird things. We are weird and we struggle with some weird things. But this is, this is not what Jesus is saying. In fact, 1 Timothy says, God has given us things for our enjoyment. So it makes no sense when our Heavenly Father, who's a good Heavenly Father, gives us something that we would just constantly live in guilt and not enjoy the things he's given us. What Jesus is talking about is where is our heart is where our treasure is and where our treasure is where our, our heart is. Where are the things that you're striving for and wanting more of and are holding on to and not willing to give away as it relates to your time, your money, and your energy? Are you holding them selfishly and not willing to be generous with them, to give them away. I, you know, I've heard this before, and probably you've heard this if you're a follower of Jesus in church at some point. But there's only two things in this world that are eternal, uh, God's word and people. Those who have accepted Jesus have been given eternal life. And so as we think about building treasure in heaven, it's when we invest in God's word because it lasts forever, and when we invest God's word into people who last forever as well. In fact, I think uh, 1 Timothy is the best, clearest passage that I can find as to what it looks like to live in this world while being rich and building kingdom treasure. And this is 1 Timothy chapter 6. And, and just before we look at it, I got to say this, because some of you are like, oh man, this will be good for some rich people I know. Here's the deal. You're in this room. You live in Canada. You are part of the rich. When Paul wrote this to Timothy, he would have written this to you, okay? We are among the rich. This is for us. And here's what Paul says. Here's how you live with wealth and do it still building treasure. And it's pretty interesting. Here's what he says. Command those who are rich in this world, that's us, rich in this present world, not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly uh, provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There's kind of this, this perspective of wealth that Paul talks about first, right? Command those who are rich, that's us, not to put their hope in something that's uncertain. Don't be like the foolish rich guy who like put his hope in wealth and God's like, yeah, but then you lost your life. Don't do that. That's foolishness, right? So don't put your hope in wealth. Understand where your hope is and your hope is in God. That's a perspective of the wealth you have. And then he says this, God, your heavenly father, richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God actually likes it when we enjoy the things he's given us. But we don't hold on to them selfishly. He goes on and says this, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In essence, Paul is saying is, tell them to invest in people with their time, money, 
and energy, right? It takes time to do good. It takes uh, energy to do good deeds. And it takes some money to be generous and share. So don't hold it to yourself. And then he goes on in this way. They will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. In essence, what he's saying is they're already living in the kingdom. They're living in life that is truly life. They're taking hold of something that's already here for us now. This is life in the kingdom. Well, Jesus doesn't just talk about our treasure and where our heart is. Remember, there's three areas. The next one he speaks about our vision. Here's what he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, well, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Again, this is like, what are you saying, Jesus? Because our, our eyes are neither lights, nor are they really that good at receiving light for our body, right? It's not like light goes into our eyes and then like there's light within my whole body. What is Jesus getting at? Here's what Jesus is saying. Your eyes are like a flashlight. Now, when it's pitch black and the power goes out, we pray that it doesn't go out right now. When it's dark and you have a flashlight, what's the first thing you do with your flashlight? You guys need some help with flashlight. You turn it on, right? Okay, so you've got your flashlight on. And then what do you do with your turned on flashlight? You point it in the direction you're about to go. No one takes a flashlight and points it behind them and is like, I'm going that way. <laughs> Woo! No. You point it in the direction that, it, uh, that, that you are going to go. This is what Jesus is saying about your eye. Your eye is like the flashlight of your life. It's like the, the lamp of your entire body. Where your eyes are pointed, the vision and direction to which you are looking and traveling will determine if your body experiences flourishing or destruction. The pathway of your life is determined by what your eyes are focused on. And that determines whether your body experiences destruction, whether you're on a path to destruction, or you experience flourishing. And then he says this, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. And what he's saying here is when your eyes are pointed in a direction and you think this is good and yet it's actually not, you're deceived and you're like, you're like the worst off out of all people. It is the greatest darkness because the thing you think is good is actually bad. And Jesus is referring to this in light of the kingdom. So the question, first of all, was What's your heart set on as it relates to treasure? Now Jesus is asking this, what are your eyes fixed on? And if it's fixed on something that's temporary, if it's fixed on things in this world, things that don't last, if it's not fixed on God and his kingdom, you may think you're traveling down a good path and it's a great, great path of darkness and destruction. Living in the kingdom is living in a new direction, with new and different values. So Jesus has talked about our treasure and our heart. He's talked about our vision and the direction of our life. And thirdly, he's going to talk about allegiance. And he says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
Now, again, Jesus isn't saying, uh, Jesus is saying we are all mastered by something. Being mastered or not mastered is not the choice. We are all slaves. What Jesus is saying is you have a choice as to which master you serve, right? You can't serve two. You pick one. Now, most of us read this through kind of North American 21st century uh, lenses, and we kind of read it this way. No one can serve two employers. We're like, yeah, yeah, you're kind of right, Jesus. I mean, you can. It just makes your life kind of complicated because sometimes one employer wants the same you know, shift as the other employer. Is, it's just not a good idea. It really makes your life challenging. That's kind of how we read this, but that's not what Jesus says. In fact, later he says, you cannot serve both God and money. And many of us, because we read this as employers, we read this as you should not serve both God and money because, you know, when you're trying to sit on the fence and kind of do both at the same time, it just makes your life really complicated. That is not what Jesus is saying. He's not talking about employers. He's talking about masters. This was written in the first century when there were 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. They understood slavery and you could not be owned by two masters. You will have one master The question is not, will you be mastered? The question is not, are you a slave? We're all slaves to some master. The question is, who is your master? God or money? Originally in the Greek, the word money was the word mammon, which uh, we've come to know as money, but originally mammon just meant something that you put your confidence in. And over time, over years and years and years, people are like, oh, it's kind of like money because usually we're tempted to put our confidence in money or possessions. But Jesus is saying, you cannot, not you should not, you cannot serve both God and that other thing you want to put your confidence in. Your confidence is in one or the other. You can't have both. And maybe you're like, why not? Why can't I serve God and money? Why can't I be like, okay, God, you get Sundays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and then I'm going to do my thing, or God, you know what? I'm really just chasing some money right now, but I kind of got you in my back pocket. Why can't you do both as you do life in the kingdom? Isaiah 42 says this, and here's why. God says, I am the Lord, that's my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. In essence, God says, I don't share I don't share. I'm like a husband that's really jealous for my wife. And she can't have other husbands. She she is with me, and all of her is with me, or none of her is with me. It's an all or nothing. You can't be mastered by two masters. God doesn't allow it. He says it's actually not possible. We We don't get a choice as to whether we are mastered We put our confidence in something, right? Something is our master. But what we get a choice on is what or who that something or someone is. Living in the kingdom is living in a new direction with new and different values. In fact, to say this very specifically, and I'm going to get religious here now, living in the kingdom is actually living in the direction of God and his values. This is what life in the kingdom is. And as I said earlier, often when we step into the kingdom, we think, but I have to give up all that? Remember, every yes is a thousand no's. And suddenly the thing that we're chasing 
is a no to all the things we used to chase. The thing that we value is a no to the things we used to value. Our allegiance to something is a no to what we used to have our allegiance to. Living in the kingdom is living in the direction of God and his values. You know, next week, as we continue in this series, Jesus is going to get specific about one area that many of us struggle with. But then he's going to make this comment, and you'll hear this next week. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things you used to chase, the things you used to value, the things that get you all worked up, all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first. Value the kingdom. Value righteousness. Set your eyes on Christ and his kingdom. Have your allegiance set on God. And everything else will take care of itself. So in closing, I have a couple questions for you maybe to wrestle within yourself. Um, if you're in a small group, you can wrestle these through uh, in your small group uh, over dinner with your family or your spouse or your girlfriend. Here's two questions. Where do you spend most of your time, money, and energy? I'm talking outside of your job and all the things that you're kinda, you have to do to kind of stay alive, but with your extra time, extra money. And what does that say about your treasure, your allegiance, and your vision? And then secondly, what in your life are you needing maybe to reset as it relates to your treasure? And you haven't been real generous with others, and it's time to think about that in, in your vision and your allegiance. What are the things that maybe it's like, man, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I said yes already years ago, and yet I think my heart started to wander a little bit in this area or this area. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, Jesus many times in the gospel says, the kingdom's here, and you're near the kingdom. And I imagine some of you that are listening and maybe here, you feel like you're near the kingdom. And as you consider stepping in what it looks like to put your faith in Jesus, as it relates to your treasure, your vision, and your allegiance, maybe you want to do some business with God. And maybe you've been focusing on what you have to give up to follow Jesus. And maybe it's time to change your vision and see what Jesus said. That the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. My prayer for you is that you'll see the incomparable value of the kingdom over what you're holding onto. Living in the kingdom is living in the direction of God and his values. Let me pray with you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the light it sheds on uh, some of the things that we chase and we value and, and our allegiance that will leave us empty-handed and broken. And you came to give us life and show us what the kingdom of God is, what it looks like to live in this life that is abundant and eternal life. So Father, for each of us here, for those of us that, that want to live in the kingdom, show, just, just nudge us in our hearts as to where our hearts have begun to wander uh, away from you, wander away from you. And uh, for those that are not yet followers of you. Father, would you uh, open their hearts, open our hearts to the incomparable value of you and your kingdom as we get to uh, step in and live in that through faith in Jesus. We pray these things in your name.
Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.